Welcome to the Share What You Learned podcast. I'm Amy Patricic, a learning enthusiast and the host of the show. The Share What You Learned podcast is designed for learning professionals to share something they're learning in the field. Today, I'm talking to Kate Parker about building cross-functional partnerships. Hi, Kate. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. What a treat to have you here. I know you fairly well, but I would love if you took a minute to introduce yourself to my listeners. Who is Kate? What's she all about? All right. Kate Parker. I've been working in the learning and development field for quite a while. I started out many years ago as a facilitator and moved into um, instructor-led instructional design for like instructor-led classroom training. And then I became a coach in 2014 and started, you know, expanding my learning and development skills into coaching. And then I say I really found my niche when I became a manager for the first time and started leading learning and development teams. Um, And I've been leading teams for the past eight or nine years. And then most recently, I've been um, moving more into consulting work. So I've been doing consulting with nonprofits, like as an external consultant, Um, on things like learning design, but also organization development and staff engagement and operations initiatives. So I've kind of touched a lot of different areas of the field. What a cool like development and progression of career to see so much of learning and development. I would argue from so many different viewpoints or or like lenses. That's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Once I, once I kind of get exposed to a new area, I always love to dig in and learn, learn more about it and how it works from a different side of the business. So, I mean, you just cued us up for the perfect uh, segue into what we're talking about today. <laughs> Which is building uh, cross-functional partnerships. So I, I kind of just want to dive straight in, Kate. What's the big deal with building cross-functional partnerships and why are they so important to an L&D function? So I love this topic so much and have a really personal connection to it. So I wanted to share a story from a, a past life, pre-learning and development that really shares how this became important to me. So before I was in learning and development, I had a whole another career in the theater. So I don't know if I, you and I have talked about this actually, but no. I went, I got my degree in performing arts. So I went to school for acting and um, the particular program that I went to had a policy where regardless of your focus area in the theater art. So let's say I'm going in and I know I want to focus on acting. You still had to work in every part of the theater production. So let's say I was a lighting designer. Even if you were a lighting designer, you had to act in something. You had to take an acting class. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for me as an actor, I had to run a lighting board. I had to do makeup design. I took costume design. I directed a production. I worked on a set, you know, and did all stage managed, all of it. And the, the, fundamental belief behind that approach is that the more empathy you can develop for all of the different work that goes into putting on a show and not just like cognitive empathy, but direct experience of it, the better you're going to be at doing your job because A, you're not going to run into that idea that every I'm working harder than everyone else or my job is the most important one or something to that effect, which can sometimes happen but you're just really going to be able to understand what other people do and collaborate better. And it was absolutely true for me. And I think it was one of the things that was the most impactful to me than going on and having my theater career because I was just so well-versed in everything it took to to make a production happen. 
And so when I pivoted and moved away from working in the arts and moved eventually into the corporate realm, that just way of thinking, I think, was pretty like embedded into my DNA from my training that I just had a real natural curiosity to understand what are all these different departments doing and, and how can we work better together to work on our shared goals? I was recently hiking in the mountains at one viewpoint and hiked around and saw another viewpoint. And you're basically looking at the same lake and valley through all of these different viewpoints. But with every viewpoint, you're gaining a fresh perspective or a different lens on that same same scene. And so I just was having this picture of that as you were giving that super clear example with the theater. But also I, I what I'm hearing you say is it's also really important for L&D. We can't be siloed standing on our little mountaintop saying the LMS, the enablement we're creating is the most important. While it is really important, I'm hearing you say like there's these other lenses or like perspectives that we really need to look at as we're building enablement as well. 100%. And that there's maybe entire function of the business that has no idea what an LMS even is, even if they go in and use one, right? And, And so it's, yes, absolutely that. When thinking of building solid cross-functional partnerships within the business, what should we be thinking about and or what should be top of mind? It's so easy to go into developing a relationship, focusing on something. What do I want to get out of it? Or what am I trying to convince this person to do? And I find that approaching with a sense of, yeah, I think L&D is pretty good at this with that service mindset because we are a service part function of the business. Um, but what are their goals? So really trying to put yourself in the shoes of other departments. I think this is pretty critical too, if you're in a leadership position. So if I'm meeting with and trying to build a relationship with like the head of marketing, let's say, like how are their goals measured? How is is their success measured as a department? What do they care about? What keeps them up at night? Um, really trying to understand the concerns from the from their own perspective, I think is really critical. And then, you know, as you're listening and getting to know people from your learning experience and knowing what your department can deliver, you're going to uncover opportunities and ways that you can partner with these teams proactively. So I would say a really important thing is to reach out proactively and to not wait for like requests to come your way. I think that's that can be a really comfortable way to work. You know, I'm just going to kind of wait until somebody comes to me with something they need can be a little more vulnerable to put yourself out there and really initiate those conversations. But when you do, you're going to be much more likely to come into information that's going to help you be proactive and to plan. Like, I can't tell you how many meetings I've been with in with other departments where we're like either doing like a regular quarterly check-in or something. And I find out about some huge initiative that's going to need training support that I didn't know was coming. And so... The, the more that I can do that, the better I'll be able to equip my team and to start planning for some of these things um, in advance. So I would say, yeah, taking initiative and really trying to put yourself in the other department's shoes can really go a long way. So maybe I'm thinking of that like proactive piece and I, and you have had a really cool position where you've been in L&D leadership roles. And so you've gotten, I think that maybe sitting in meetings with the head of marketing is maybe a little bit more common for someone at your level. I'm curious, like if you're thinking more about individual contributors, what are some ways that either instructional designers or trainers or learning consultants can be proactive in their roles? 
I was thinking about someone that I worked with in my last role who was so excellent at this. And what they did was um, we were in a totally distributed environment, but they would reach out to folks on other departments and just have coffees with them. They they ended up making um, good friends with people in the IT team or in operations team. And so that was one way that they did it. Now, granted, it takes a certain kind of culture to make that a possibility, right? If you're working under a manager who it doesn't want you to talk to people or one of those kinds of like super hierarchical environments, I don't think that might work in your favor. And you're right. My bias is definitely much more towards that leadership role. But I will say that even with the um, sitting in meetings with the the heads of marketing and et cetera, many years ago in my role, when I was early on becoming a manager, we were in a, I was in a startup. And so there wasn't a whole lot of structured like meeting cadences or processes in place. And that was a challenge we had is oftentimes we didn't always know what all was going on in other departments. And so I actually ended up uh, proactively just scheduling or uh, optional monthly kind of social check-in for all the directors. So it was just like, hey, this is just to meet each other to like talk and see how we can make each other's lives easier. That was really the whole impetus for it. And a number of people showed up and were really eager to meet and talk and connect and um, learn what each other was working on. So I think it's it can be really well received when it's approached with the spirit of just wanting to connect and, and help each other out. So like overarching theme and all of that, regardless of your position is what I'm hearing you say is we all have maybe like the words autonomy or control over the ability to build relationships with business partners. We're not a victim to what's ever happening. And so find those nooks and crannies within your own role that makes sense for you to expand your internal network beyond your L&D teammates into other functions of the business because there's a lot of opportunity to build relationship and be proactive in some of the enablement needs as a result of that. 100%. Yes. And you know, another way that just occurred to me is if you've been on a project with someone that you haven't seen for a while, that's a really natural one to follow up and just check in. How are you doing? What's going on in your world since we worked on this project together X amount of months ago? So not assuming that the only time you need to talk to people is when you're actually engaged on a project together. Even just check-ins on Teams or Slack or something can go a long way just to let folks know that you're thinking about them and wanting to say hi and check in. Because the reality is if they've asked for one enablement request, they're probably going to come back and ask for another one at some point. And so keep the relationship going. Don't let it kind of fall to the wayside even once a project is complete. So another thing I, I'm backtracking a bit, but another thing you said in that was also about like uh, learning what's important to the business in terms of you said like their success metrics and their goals. I'm wondering how knowing that has been important as an L&D professional. I think it goes back to program evaluation or the success of our department large. So my belief is that as much as possible as a learning function, we should be dedicating our resources to critical strategic objectives. So the more that we're doing that, then we are automatically already working on the same projects as other departments are. Granted, we might be providing a different way of achieving the same metric, but we should be trying to drive positive outcomes on the most important you know, strategic initiatives of the business. So like being able to reference a strategic plan 
when making decisions about what you prioritize, for example, that can really go a long way also to helping your team if you're in a management or leadership role, not getting burnt out because you're ensuring that your your resources are being directed to the most critical things. Um, and I have found that uh, well, one of the things that I did in my role when I was the head of uh, the training department at Variable Health is we created a project intake or like request form from other departments that included asking the requester to identify what strategic priority of the organization their request was supporting or not. And so if it was, for example, let's say my whole department is working on a big system implementation that company-wide and, and one of the most critical objectives, and I have a manager reaching out because they want me to build like a custom feedback training for their department. Yeah, I can go back to that person. It's not that their request is not valuable or important. They obviously have a problem that they want us to help them solve. But I have found that if you if I can meet with that stakeholder and show so here's where the team is dedicating the majority of our resources toward XYZ strategic objective and that and to show that that's how we're prioritizing our time. I think then then you're actually demonstrating through your decision how you're being an effective business partner and actually making decisions based on what's best for the business as opposed to just you know react becoming a reactive department that's just trying to push out tickets. I don't believe that that's the highest use of of our skills. I'm making the assumption that I'm jumping from like, if your work is connected to strategic initiatives, mostly strategic initiatives are connected to revenue. And so it really ties that through line from the projects that we're doing in enablement to the return on investment for the company. Yeah, it could be revenue. It also could be retention. It could be some employee satisfaction metric. If those are tracked for the organization, it could be cost savings or cutting. So it could be a number of things, including revenue. I think I think when you're working in a sales trading type of environment, then that's probably one of the easier ones to to measure when it comes to, you know, measuring did my work translate to more sales. But I don't think it always has to be that. Appreciate you broadening that perspective because I do think that's I think we always want to make an impact as learning and development professionals and being able to know where impact is landing in broad umbrellas or in specific initiatives, I think is really important. So Kate, what are some of the challenges or pitfalls you've seen in building cross-functional relationships? I think a couple of them we touched on. So like waiting for others to come to you, I think vulnerable to put yourself out there and go first when it comes to any relationship, whether it's a initiating a friendship or a business relationship or anything. It, you know, it can be a risk, especially if you're more of an introverted person. So I would say that that can be a, a challenge, but one well worth tackling. And then I would say another one that I see and I have been guilty of many times is assuming that other people nerd out on the same things I do or like assuming that other departments even care about learning or should. I remember I just had this memory that makes me laugh. I used to sit in an office next to the gentleman who did all of our credentialing. He was like a credentialing person. And we were implementing our first learning management system. And he walked over and was like looking over my shoulder like, what are you doing? And I start going on about, oh, and look at this, this, this. And I look over at him and his eyes are just glazed. Like he does not care. And I just laughed and like, okay, yeah, you can walk away now. You know, I get it. This is not something you care about. It just made me laugh because He's just like, how's this going to make the process of onboarding people faster? And I'm like, it will. It's going to take a lot of 
manual work off your plate. But my point is when I go meet with people that aren't in learning and development, I never, I try to really never use any kind of L&D lingo. Like you, you won't hear me saying things like micro learning or Kirkpatrick Andrew Gochi or any of that kind of business, like if I'm, let's say, talking to the head of IT, I just think there's no need and it can be alienating to folks or at best just boring or not interesting. And so my my approach is to try to really come at it from that curiosity place of, and I'm naturally curious about things, so it's not hard for me to be curious about what they're, what it is that they're doing. I also think that it's okay that other departments don't care. They don't have to for us to be an effective, impactful business partner, as long as the things we are talking about are business problems that we're solving, right? Like I can have a really uh, meaningful conversation with that team about how are we going to implement, let's say we're doing a big implementation on Google Cloud or something and talk about like all the ways we can make that really effective and then demonstrate effective outcomes by doing a really good job on the project with our team. And then those people are going to be seeing, oh, wow, this learning and development team really made this project go better, right? And then you're building that credibility with them over time without ever having to talk about adult learning best practices <laughs> with people who might really care to hear about it. I was in my head thinking of maybe someone whose hobby is skateboarding and someone else's hobby who's baking or something like that. You know, they're trying to have a conversation about a thing, a skateboarder and a baker. And, you know, the skateboarder's going on about the wheels and the specialty board they have and the kind of, and the baker's like, so what? Maybe rolling their eyes, maybe zoning out a little bit and vice versa. This is a very cheesy analogy, but it's, it's we're running with it. But maybe where they overlap is, I don't know, after you skateboard, you might want a tasty treat. And so what kind of, treats would a baker make that a skateboarder might enjoy after skateboarding and so it's finding those little bits of overlap and not getting so nerded out or zoned out in our own world and what's important to us because at the end of the day we're passionate about this we chose a career in this and they're passionate about something else and chose a career in the thing that they're passionate about yeah and i might not want to talk about a sequel let's say for at any depth or not even be able to follow the conversation and that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be a great partner for them in their work and vice versa. And it goes back to that strategic initiative pieces. Those are largely like the shared vocabulary or language across the company that teams are leveraging. And so whether if your strategic initiative is about a new product or something, all the teams, no matter if it's marketing, no matter if it's comms, no matter if it's product development, no matter if it's learning and development, they're all going to be talking about the product and have the shared language of product and the way they all address that new product might look different. Their language might look different, but being able to really, that's kind of one of the ways maybe I'm saying that you can find that piece of overlap is start with that initiative. Absolutely. And another one I would say, depending on the organization is your mission, your vision, your values. Um, I think that's pretty critical in startups and in non the nonprofit realm or in like much smaller organizations, you know, that are really mission oriented. I've worked a lot in the nonprofit world and also worked with um, very mission-driven organizations. And a lot of people go to work for organizations like that solely because of trying to change the world or deliver some meaningful service that's very mission-oriented. And so 
um, in those kinds of environments, you know, you might not even have a strategic plan depending on the size or maturity of the company. But at that level, the, the mission really becomes one of those things that can unite across all functions of the business. It makes me think of one of the companies I worked for. One of their values was better together. And so sometimes in my business partnership emails, when I was sending project updates and things, I would say, because we're better together, da, 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 and called out different ways. I was supporting the initiative, different ways other teams are supporting the initiative and did use that kind of as a guide to bring us all together. So you're right. Thanks for calling that one out. You're welcome. Yeah, the, the culture of the business can really support this relationship building or hinder it, you know, depending on what's rewarded and what's encouraged. And so I do think being able to have a culture that encourages those relationships to be built in whatever way that looks like is really, really important. For I have one last little blip and, may, and maybe there's nothing there, but is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that we need to cover before we jump over to the rapid round? You know, I think one of the ways that I have found my cross-functional relationships to be just really personal, personally rewarding is I think in a lot of ways I have learned more and grown more personally through learning from people who are not in the learning field, you know, in at work, because I am engaged with ATD and ODN and these other organizations where I get a lot of, and I take continuing education and all that good stuff for my, for my learning and development lens, but I've learned more about business and the companies that I have worked for from those other partners. And so I think it can be, someone asked me recently about, um, they were wanting to move into a VP role and wanting a, a mentor. And what we talked about was, you know, at a certain level, you don't need to have a mentor who's in L&D, right? Like I learned a lot from our chief financial officer at my last organization. And so I think that's something that I have personally really grown and then made a lot of really great friends from from those relationships as well that I still have to this day. So think that's another area where just a broader network of different types of people with different backgrounds can really just enhance your life on a personal level. Again, encouraging us to dip our toes outside of the <laughs> L&D waters. There's wonderful, friendly, kind people out there. You got this team. Absolutely. <laughs> brave. Well, let's go ahead and transition into the rapid round, the questions I get ask all of my guests. So first one, it's not a question, but it's a finish the sentence, which is learning is... Fun. I can't. That's the only word that came to me when I said it. I can't imagine not always learning things. I mean, clearly, I picked the right career path because it's just very, very enjoyable and a great source of joy for me. If you could learn any new skill today, what would you want to learn? So I'm right now taking a really awesome. I'm working on this online toolkit that I was going to recommend because it's related to. This topic, but also I think could be really relevant to instructional designers. There's a woman named Kathy Moore whose work I adore, and she writes about action mapping. I'm sure you've heard of her. She's incredibly well known. So she has this online toolkit called Partner from the Start, and it's uh, it's taking a lot of what we're talking about and distilling it into this really practical toolkit on how to have intake conversations with stakeholders that help direct the stakeholders in really collaborative ways towards the right solution to their problem. 
And she gives you like really great scripts that you can try. And it's very engaging and just really well put together. And I'm about halfway through the toolkit and I've learned a ton. Even as someone who's done a lot of these, I still feel like I've learned a lot from the from the toolkit. So that's been a really fun one that I definitely recommend everybody take a look at. Is that, I'm assuming like available on her website or something like that? Yeah. Or is this a- called Partner from the Start is the name of the toolkit. And then she also has one called, it's all about writing learning scenarios. It's like scenario design or something. Um, one of my friends took that one and also really, really got a lot out of it. Great. We'll link those in the show notes in case others are intrigued and wanting to check that out. All right, Kate, last one. If you could pick one person to teach you a new skill, who would it be and why? So my person is kind of a nerdy, but I have a bunch of animals and I love doing animal training. And there is a woman who I've read a bunch of her books. Her name is Patricia McConnell. And my dream would be if I could like fly her to my house and have her follow me around and watch me interact with my my dogs and give me feedback on my my dog training abilities, that would be the person I would choose to be my uh, my mentor. That would be so fun because dogs would be a part of it. Uh-huh. And they're all so unique and different. And she, yeah, she's got a lot of really amazing um, techniques and skills that I've tried. So I would, I would have her come. Dip your toes outside of L&D. You're practicing what you preach. <laughs> exactly. An- animal learning and human learning, both. So Kate, what's the best way for my listeners to be in contact with you after the show if they have some questions about building cross-functional partnerships or just want to connect and learn more from you? I am available on LinkedIn. I have an open profile, so you can message me on there regardless of whether we're connected. And I would be happy to connect with anybody to talk about this topic or any other one. So yeah, reach out anytime. Thanks so much, Kate, for sharing all about building cross-functional partnerships with us today. I also want to give a shout out to you, my listeners, for learning with us today. Bye. Bye.